Episode 134 of the Bevan James Isle Show. How are you interpreting things? Radio team, welcome along to episode 134 of the Bevan James I'll Show, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness so that you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Um, I've got a I've got a cool show today. I've got a show it's, it's a subject that I've been thinking about a lot recently, and it's um I think there's a real practical application to what I want to talk about in today's show. But there are a few things I do want to talk about before I get into the main gist of today's show. Because it's kind of three things that are on my mind very much today. Um, and, and one of them is the value of putting hard effort into work. And what do I mean by that? Um, where do I start? So... I got asked to do a, a thing called a pig talk. A pig talk is this uh, a, a local doctor in our area. He basically wanted to do kind of like a TED talk. We all know what TED talks are. He wanted to do a, like a TED talk night for all the local doctors in the Christchurch region. And um, it was really very much focused on GPs. So you're kind of like your local doctor at your local kind of doctor's clinic. And he wanted to put together a night where you got basically six presenters to do somewhere between 10 to 13 minutes in a presentation. And he asked me to do a talk. He asked me to be a part of it. He asked me to apply to be, because you have to apply to do these talks. So I kind of, I thought, okay, I'll give it a go. Um, and uh, I, now I do a lot of public speaking. I'm quite comfortable as a public speaker. I, I really enjoy public speaking. I like, um, there's a few reasons I like public speaking. I love designing a talk. Uh, I think I've probably talked about this in the show, and as you can tell from the show, I like trying to, you know, how do you get someone to think and, and shift through kind of thinking and sharing stories and stuff like that, so I kind of like designing a talk, uh, and then I like the the skill of a talk, um, I like the skill of trying to, you know, how do you use your voice, how do you use your movement, how do you use your facial expression, how do your hands help you as you present, and, and I kind of like that, and then how do you capture your audience, and ultimately how do you help them reflect and grow and maybe learn and move forward from the work that you do with them, and so uh, I got asked to do this talk, and I spent a lot of time on it, I, I, I pretty much wrote it, and I got it to where I was pretty happy with it, and then I normally when I like normally when I do a talk I'll probably spend an hour or two practicing it before I do the presentation, and uh, but this one I spent probably like for a ten to twelve minute talk I probably spent cheapers probably seven or eight hours just practicing that talk, and I uh, went along last night and I, no, I'm not sure I, I got good feedback you know I'm not quite sure how great it was that, you know people um what, what people got from it but I, the general feel that I got was that people got good feedback, but. I went home and I was kind of buzzing after the fact. And I was buzzing after the fact because I did it, did my talk as best as I could have done it. Like I haven't, they did record it, so I'll, and maybe what I'll do is when they when it, they put it out there to the world, I'll, I'll put a link to it on my website. Probably won't be for this episode, but when the next episode is out, you can go and watch the talk. Um, but one of the things that I was you know, I got home and I was kind of in this real buzzy place, and it was this—it was basically just a sense of pride, or is pride the right word? I'm not sure if pride is the right word, but satisfaction is probably the right word—a sense of satisfaction. And it wasn't the satisfaction of um, the external satisfaction. It wasn't the satisfaction of people helping me or, or thinking that I'd done good work. It was the satisfaction of me doing what I felt was the best that I could do in that situation which was a reflection of the effort that I put in. Like I really did spend a lot of time practicing this talk. It was a 10 to 12 minute talk and I probably, you know, I've stood in my small little office here for the last kind of three weeks practicing it pretty much two or three times every day. And I just found my beats and I did the work. And and why am I kind of sharing this with you? I, I think there's, you know, like, I, had a, I caught up with a mate the other day who's kind of, got some struggles in life as many people do and one of the things we talked about was his career he's got stale in his career and how you know like he's not really enjoying his career and he's thinking about other things and stuff like that and it was really interesting talking to him because you could tell that he wasn't really putting the effort into his career as well and and one of the things we talked about is maybe it's time you kind of you know 
respect the role and get back into it and really kind of deliver on the role of your career. And that will at least make you feel satisfied in your career. And, and often in areas of life where we feel flat, it's just because we're not doing the level of the work that we like to do. And for me last night, you know, I, I was happy with my talk and I was really happy with how I, I did it. Um, and it was more just, it was a satisfaction of I did the work. You know, I did the work and I knew that, you know, I, I did the best that I could do in that situation. And why am I sharing this? I just think that if you aren't experiencing that in your life, maybe it's sometimes a good thing to reflect upon and just really go, how hard am I trying in the thing that I really say I want to do? Like you see a lot of people who do exercise, you know, like when they train for an event or something like that, they don't put all the effort in. So the event's actually not that satisfying. But if they put all the effort in, you know, and you do want to get the goal, but even if you don't get the goal, it still can be a really satisfying experience. And so the first thing I just want to talk about today was this idea of put the effort in. And 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 the things that you want to do well in, in life, don't leave a stone unturned. You know, put the effort in because, you know, like maybe I had some influence over some pretty important people in my community last night. You know, doctors are very important and I was speaking about health. So, you know, hopefully I had some influence upon them and that's really cool. Um but also for my own personal satisfaction, my own esteem, my own work ethic and all those things. There's real value for me and last night. So that's pretty cool. So that's kind of my first little quick point in today's episode. Second thing I want to talk about is stress. And it's been a really interesting time for me because if you've been listening to the show recently, you know that my wife and I put our house on the market. We've bought a new house, which is 500 metres of road around the corner from where I live. And um, we're very excited. It's less than a month till we move. And if you may hear in the background right now, you might hear some tape being pulled apart because my wife is the ultimate packer. Joe, she loves to pack. And uh, it was funny because our house sold and I was over in Ken's catching up with my daughter. And uh, I came home about three days after the house sold and <laughs> the boxes the house was already starting to look a little bit more empty than what it was up to this point in time. And that's because my wife is the ultimate organized person, which I love. And um, and it's just been a really interesting moment. So we sold a house, that process went pretty well, uh, and we're now in this process of getting ready to move into the next house. But we, we had a moment where, in this last moment, we've just lived with a little bit of uncertainty. Now, I may be repeating myself here, so hopefully I'm not, but we've lived with a little bit of uncertainty because... The future isn't necessarily that clear right now. And, I, and I, you know, we've sold a house, so you kind of, you have an understanding of how much you sold your house for, you have an understanding of how much the next house is, and there's just lots of balls in the air right now. And, and I noticed over the last few days that Joe and I were both slightly concerned about the next life, slightly concerned. And, and we tried to make decisions that weren't, you know, like I, I you know, if you've heard me talk about this on the show, one thing I'm a big believer in is that part of your drive and um, job in avoiding stress in life is not try not to create a life where you have stress. And so, as we're moving to new towards a new house, I'd, we didn't want to get a house that was going to create a lot of stress in our life. And because you don't, when you're in this moment of transition, we're not quite exactly sure what the next life looks like yet. And you could just see that within Joe and I, there was just a little bit of worry about what actually does this new house and this new thing mean for our next life. And you know, both of us just had this kind of as an energy of worry. We weren't, you know, like it wasn't the, to the extreme of worry, but you could just tell that both of us had it on our mind. And I just yesterday it was our day off work, and I said, Let, "Let's just sit down and pull out the figures." And we sat down for about an hour or so, and we and we'd done this already, admittedly, but it was kind of we'd sat down and we did all the figures, and it made us realise that for the level of comfort that we like to have in our life we will be okay in this new situation. And it was a really good exercise to do, because why was it a good exercise to do? Because it allowed us to just really realize where things are truly at. And until we'd done that, we were living this kind of not quite knowing what the future looks like. Now, admittedly, even what we did yesterday might not be 100% accurate, but it was enough to give us an idea that, you know what, we don't need to be having a level of worry that maybe what that we were having before we sat down and did that. And there's there's certain things in life when we look at stress. There's certain things in life that are avoidable around stress, and I think that's a way of thinking about it. Stresses that are avoidable, and 
that was really an avoidable stress because we were stressing about something but we hadn't actually spent the time to really assess what the real situation would look like. We kind of had but not to as much detail as what we did yesterday and once we sat down and did that, you know, we still need to have some learning in this next period of of our life but it made us realise we don't necessarily have to be sitting in the worry that we were sitting in. And so one thing I just wanted to kind of share in my second little kind of quick point that I'm sharing with you today is that sometimes we sit in stress, which could quite easily be removed if we sat down, removed ourselves from the situation and just painted a clear picture of what the situation really is. There are, like I can't deny there's moments in our lives where we're all stressed and it's really justified. And that's not what this is about. It's when we're sitting in stress where if we actually kind of pull back, sit back and really assess the situation, we can remove a lot of the worry around that situation. And that's what the example Joe and I kind of went through yesterday is that there was a level of worry. Once we sat back and looked at the situation, the worry was disproportionate to the situation. And that's what I, you know, that's just something to think about. So maybe in your life right now, as you're kind of sitting here thinking right now, you might be sitting in some stress. And if you actually were to sit back, it might be a financial thing and look at your finances. Or if you were to, uh, it might be a relationship thing, you know, but if you were to sit back and really see it for where it really is right now, maybe you wouldn't be so stressed. So just another kind of quick point thing. And then lastly, and this is, it's been a bit of an emotional day for me today, to be honest. Um, um, I, I heard some news from somebody I know who had some really tragic news, and um, it was it's, it's sad, sad news. And um, it's been emotional for me because you kind of I, I don't want to go into detail because it's it's their life, um, but it just you know it's it's horrible when you hear sad news of somebody in your life, and um, and it was one of those things that made you think about what's really important in life. And then, and then I'm sure, you know, again, I often talk about how you might watch this in the future, but one of the things that's been released on the internet today was Paul McCartney doing carpool, carpool karaoke with James, whatever that guy's name is, James, the guy who does one of the late shows in America. And uh, it's pretty brilliant. Um, it's pretty brilliant for a few reasons. There's a moment in it where James, uh, music is such a good thing. Uh, particularly music that we have memories with. And obviously the Beatles have this kind of uh, repertoire of, of songs that so many people in the world have these emotional connections and memories to. And there's this moment in this couple karaoke where James is talking about his father introducing a Beatles song to him and and I think his granddad and his father introduced and said here's, here's one of the greatest songs of all time and, and he's singing it with Paul McCartney and he gets a bit emotional and then uh, he said Paul McCartney you know James says to Paul McCartney I wish my granddad could be right here right now and Paul just kind of says well he is and you could see James get pretty emotional and um and, and the, the, it's just, it's a pretty cool carpool karaoke, I have to admit. And it's one of those things where, as you watch it, it just reinforces the really great things in life. It reinforces music. Like, how cool is music? You know, like, one thing, you know, I love listening to podcasts, and one of my downfalls of listening to podcasts and audiobooks is that I don't listen to as much music as I used to. And I've really tried to bring music back into my life in this last moment of my life. And, Jay's music is so good for us. You know, like to have music in your life is, there's just something to it. And, that, you know, so many things, are, you know, I'm just thinking this couple karaoke, they end up playing at a pub and, you know, it's just a pub, people up and dancing. You know, there's just so much good stuff around that. A human connection. And, and you know, like I think one thing I, I've really been, you know, I've really been thinking about, my role in my community recently. I've been thinking about this a lot, particularly with females, because I, I, I live in a role where I do deal with a lot of females, and, you know, in this kind of me too time, and I don't want to kind of jump on any bandwagon or anything, but just that kind of, that as a male, my job, particularly as a job male in a leadership role in front of groups of people, my job is to always make people feel safe. That's my job. My job is to always make people feel safe. And it's not just females, that's just people. And there's something about, um, 
you know, this moment and discussion that's happening around females in society and how many females haven't felt safe. That, you know, I, I heard something the other day around um, female runners. Now, a lot of female runners will have a concern around their safety when they're running. Now, as a male, that's something I never have to think about. I've never been out there running, or maybe once in my life, you know, when you go into a dark alley in the middle of a street, you don't know. But generally speaking, it's not a thought that I have that I have to be concerned about my safety. Whereas for a lot of females, when they're out there running, they do feel slightly concerned for their safety. And there's this kind of thing around the responsibility of a leader, particularly a male leader, in these roles and how do you make people feel safe and it's just it's just something in the back of my mind I'm not really going to elaborate on that much more but it's just something that I'm kind of aware of and thinking of my role in my community and and helping enhance that safety for my people but one thing that I'm thinking of my role but also I just think it's a really healthy thing for us all to be thinking about is care for others We, we need to care for others you know, one of my runners came up this morning, Vivian, she's Viv, I'm not, actually, I'm not sure if your name is Vivian, Vivian, but I'm pretty sure it is, but it's Viv, and she's a lovely lady, and she's, she's often very generous to me, she often come up to me and tell me that she really likes the work that we do with the running group, and she came up and she said, I love the podcast, you know, it's really cool, and she said, I love the way you share, you're very open on the podcast, and, um, and to me, that's a really important thing to do, because when we're open, we allow ourselves just to show that we're all human you know and um and that's why i think it's important in a show like this you know that if you look at a lot of fitness podcasts out there they're just trying to tell you how to live your life um and you know and and eat certain foods and you know do this exercise and you're going to be happy and you know i you know if you listen to the show you know I'm, i'm much kind of more interested in how do we kind of help people move forward around the greater self um and i and i believe that opening up and caring and sharing and showing vulnerability and all those types of things are really important things because we're all pretty good at putting on a front we're all pretty good at putting on a front and many of us have our struggles but if we can create a world where we show caring and love and openness and vulnerability and in a safe way towards each other we allow each other to be free to open up in the areas that we need to open up in. And to me, this is kind of, I know this is kind of random, I'm just kind of waffling right now, but to me, this is such an important thing. You know, like, I'm really concerned in some some aspects of society right now. And the, the thing I'm concerned with is some of the leaders in the world are creating divisions. And, and, and I ultimately think that our job is to create understanding and acceptance. Because I truly believe that the healthier way forward for humanity is to be to embrace those things. And the day when we look at somebody else and put our boxes on them and, and shut them off because of the, the boxes we put around them is the day we actually hurt ourselves. The day when we look at other people with caring and a need for understanding and acceptance, it's healthier for them but it's actually also healthier for us. So, random thoughts, one, two, three, <laughs> here at the start of the show. I've already done nearly 20 minutes in the show, so I won't go too long in the main segment of the show, but I just kind of wanted to offload today, and so hopefully there's something in there for you, because um, sometimes when you have these kind of emotional days, um, you know, an offload's a good thing. So hopefully there's some stuff in there for you. Anyway, I'm going to just quickly pull up my patrons, and let me pause for a second. So in front of me right now I have my list of my patrons and I've got to say just a big thank you to all my patrons. You know who you are, you know if you're giving some of your hard earned money to support me and what I'm doing, really, A, it really helps, like it seriously helps, B, um, it's it's, it's also like a a lifting up for me because what you're really saying is I support what you are trying to promote to the world. And that's that's a massive thing because um, there have been times where I've thought, do I really, you know, do I want to continue on with this show? And um, and I do want to because I believe in the work that I'm doing. But the fact that people want to support me in this way really, really means a lot to me. So I just want to name some of the patrons of the show. I just want to give them a big shout out. If you want to become a patron, just go to bevanjamesisles.com. Uh, there's a link on there for the Patreon. Just go on there and you contribute a little bit or as much as you want to each time I release the show. So you only contribute money when I release the show. So if I don't release the show, 
nothing comes my way. So first of all, I've got Amanda. I'm not sure from what Amanda's last name is. So Amanda, super duper amazing Amanda. That's the nickname. Oh, and by the way, you get a nickname if you become a patron of the show as well. So it's uh, super duper amazing Amanda. We've got Ali Brown, and obviously Ali, I've got float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. We've got Priscilla King, love me tender. Or all shook up. I actually like all shook up better. Priscilla, all shook up king. We've got Esther uh, Chen Green, the golden one. And we've got Sam Green, squiggly wiggly arms. And if you know Sam Green, you know that she has squiggly wiggly arms. And lastly, I'm going to do Olivia Alice Garland. And it is Wonder Girl. So these people have been patrons of the show. They support me on what I'm doing. And if you want to become a patron, go to bevanjamesisles.com. And that way you can just kind of support me and also kind of just tell me that you know what i really like the work you're doing so thank you to patrons anyway let's get into the main gist of today's show it's funny when you've been doing something for a long time there's kind of stages of that thing uh and it's funny, I'm just thinking of my, my fitness career really right now. You know, like it's funny how um, there's stages of my fitness career, you know. And, and I've been doing, I've been in fitness for nearly 20 years, which is kind of, I seem too young. <laughs> I don't know if that's entirely true, but that's what I tell myself. But um, I've been doing fitness for coming up 20 years and beginning of next year. And uh, it's funny when you think of the groups of people who have been connected with my fitness experience throughout the years and people come and go and that's what's kind of funny when you work in fitness because like I work at a gym and you'll have people who you'll see you know five six times a week or maybe maybe three to five times a week for years on end and suddenly they just disappear and and, and to be honest you kind of just forget about them you know because they just stop turning up and then you might see them on the street you know three years later and it's like wow man you know we connected a lot at a certain time in our lives and uh it's it's a funny thing for that and as i think of the stages of my career i kind of i was thinking back um to my early career the other day and there was there's quite a few kind of members at the gym who kind of pop up into my mind as I kind of think back to that. And, so, you know, I was kind of wondering what they're doing with their lives right now. And, you know, these people, you know, 20 years ago, you didn't have Facebook, so it's not like you can even kind of go on Facebook and see what they're up to. Um, and I was thinking of all the members I had, and one member I thought of uh, was a guy, I'm going to change the name because I don't want to name names, but a guy, called, I'm going to call him Bob because Bob's an easy name to remember. Uh, funny, actually, I was doing my speech last night for the doctors, and I had to come up with three names. I thought, what's three names? And I thought, Joe, Jane, and Rhonda. That's my, my wife, her sister, and her mum. You can't go wrong with those. So anyway, um, so Bob. So Bob was a member of the gym, and he was an, an interesting character. Bob was an interesting character. Why was Bob an interesting character? Bob was very much Amway, and what do I mean by that? Now, I, I have to admit, I do struggle with people who do um, direct, like like Amway, whatever you call that, um, direct marketing or so, you know, the marketing, those kind of things, because I often feel that people who do that end up just looking at people as opportunities to make money, um, and, you know, I suppose all people who are in business are kind of like that, but, um, and also I, I struggle with it a little bit because they're very good at, selling promises that they don't really know that much about and, and they're selling oversized products. Don't, don't get me started. So so if you listen to this, never try to get me to sign up for anything that's around direct marketing because it's just not my thing. And I, I and to be because people know I've, I have a reach. So I often do get people going, oh, you know, have I got this thing that's going to blow your mind away? And I'm like, oh, it's not really my thing. Well, well, Bob was a bit of one of those people and, and he was very much within one of those worlds. I don't know if it was Amway, but it was one of those worlds. And Bob was is one of those guys where you knew that he knew the right things to say, but you didn't necessarily feel it was truly coming from within him. I say that again, you knew that he knew the right thing to say, but you didn't necessarily feel that it was coming from a true place within him. True place is probably the right word there. And, and for example, you're just going to say, Bob, how you, how's your day going, mate? And he would tell you, oh, it's absolutely fantastic. Even I'm having the best day of my life. You know, it was, it was almost like 
he was kind of a bad representation of self-help. You know, that he was saying all the right things, but, but he was saying them because he he thought or he'd learnt or he assumed that saying those right things was the right thing to do. And so there was always a bit of a, you're never really fully connected with Bob because when you, because with Bob there was this kind of, it didn't seem genuine. You didn't seem to be getting the real thing. And, you know, like there was never any vulnerability in Bob. There was, it, it was, it seemed a bit fake. It's probably a good way of putting it. And, and you know, he was, he was a nice guy, don't get me wrong. It's, I didn't dislike Bob. It was just, you know, it was just never seemed that genuine. And I, and then, and Bob came to the gym, you know, as a, before I was talking about, there's kind of these blocks of time. And he probably was a member for about five years. And um, and then, unfortunately, Bob got sick. And he, he dis, well, no, he disappeared. So he actually disappeared for a while. And Bob was a guy who was a regular exerciser, but probably a little bit overweight, but a regular exerciser. And you see that a lot. The gym, you've got lots of people who kind of turn up every day and they might be a little bit overweight and, you know, they've got exercise and that's the main thing. And Bob was one of those guys. And But he was regular. He was there every morning and he was, you know, a, a kind of a, a big part of the gym membership. And then he kind of just disappeared. Um, and again, I didn't really notice because just doing my job and it's kind of what happens and then about two years later he reappeared and he'd lost a lot of weight and he'd lost a lot of weight because he had been sick and and often that can be a bit of a clue you know like especially as people are older when someone suddenly loses a lot of weight you know we like to think that maybe they've been on a diet and have changed lifestyle and stuff but sometimes it can be a deeper meaning it can be a stress-related thing it can be a sickness-related thing, um, you know. It can, you know, when it comes kind of out of the blue. Now, I hadn't seen Bob in a couple of years, and so I just said to him, "Mate, you, geez, you lost a lot of weight," and it turned out it had been, he'd been sick. And in this moment, he was quite vulnerable to me. He kind of described to me what was happening, and um, and he, and and he asked for some advice, and he was vulnerable, and he was real. And it was the first time in my experience with Bob where I, I kind of really got to know the real man. And um, and there was concern in him. You know, like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't everything's great. It wasn't, oh, my life is absolutely fantastic. Oh, I'm alive and I'm loving my life. You know, it wasn't that. It was, you know, I've got some struggles and I'm working through them. And, you know, what do you feel I could do around fitness? And, um, and it was actually a real nice human moment. And uh, it was kind of cool. And kind of after that, our relationship was just a more genuine relationship, to be honest. It was, you know, like, he was still just some member at the gym, and I was probably still just a gym instructor at the gym. You know, our connection points were pretty minor in comparison when we look at a whole life. But it was a different kind of relationship because Bob wasn't, hey, the life is great, and, you know, this guy, he was kind of just a bit real. And uh, it was quite a cool thing. And... I started thinking about Bob over the last few days, and one of the reasons I started thinking about Bob over the last two days is because there's a subject that I want to talk about really soon, and Bob really appeared in my mind, and it really made me think about why was Bob the version of himself that I first experienced, the version of himself who presented a picture of himself to the world where everything was perfect. Um, and, and later on, I learned, not just in the health, that you know he didn't have the most perfect life or, or none of us do and I'm not that I was judging his life but more that the way he presented himself wasn't necessarily reflective upon um, his true life but uh, but it, it did make me think about why why was he that version of himself for, for that, that period of time before I kind of got to know the real Bob um, and one of the reasons I think it is is that he must have read or he must have learned or he must have been taught through some network marketing thing or, you know, that you need to portray a certain version of yourself to the world, that you need to portray a certain version of yourself. And this version of yourself probably needs to have a certain perspective. And what Bob was trying to do was to show the world that he was the kind of person who had this perspective in the way that he lived life. And so the version of himself that he was presenting to us at the gym in the first Bob part one, I'll call it, in Bob part one, was a version of himself was almost like, here's what I think the world wants me to see, that how I interpret the world. I hope that makes sense. Here's what I think 
I want the world wants me to see how I interpret the world. So he wanted to portray himself that he saw the world as working for him for a positive and so on. And then when I got Bob Part Two, the real perspective I got wasn't necessarily that. So there was a real disconnect between the real perspective and the one he was portraying to the world. Now, as much as Bob did seem a little bit fake earlier on, I can kind of see why he did it. And one of the reasons I can see why he did it is because I think back to Daniel Kahneman's book, Thinking Fast and Thinking Slow. And I've talked about this book and this perspective I'm going to talk about right now a lot on the show because it's really important. And he talks about how um, in that book, he talks about how if you wish your kid could have one thing, it's optimism. Um, because optimistic people just tend to do better in life. And optimistic people do better. Why? Because A, they think they'll achieve, so they kind of stick at things longer. Uh, they When they, you know, when things get hard, they just, they dig on in because they just think they're going to get there, you know, and that's kind of one of the things he talks about in his book. And so when I think about Bob, what Bob was doing is he was trying to portray himself as an optimistic person where actually to the core he wasn't. But I can I can kind of intellectualize and understand why he'd want to do that. Now, the thing about this is, is I don't necessarily think what Bob was doing was the wrong intention. I don't know if his method of doing it was the right method, and I do want to introduce some ways for you to think about this today. But I don't think it was the wrong thing for him to do is to work on his perspective to the world. The, uh, probably the difference is that I think that he was betraying a perspective that wasn't necessarily happening within his in, internal experience. Now, I'm putting a lot on Bob here right now. <laughs> I could be totally wrong, but this is just my interpretation of it. But I'll say that again because it's kind of important. I think that he was betraying a perspective that wasn't necessarily true within his own experience, his inner experience. And that's why there was such a a disconnect from those experiencing Bob because it just didn't seem genuine. Now, if we think about perspective, perspective is a fascinating thing, isn't it? Because effective, your, your perspective in different areas of your life will interpret, will massively interpret how you experience your life. You know, there's a there's a good SNL sketch, uh, skit. Uh, there, was a, there was a character called Debbie Downer. And Debbie Downer, no matter what you did, you know, she could win the lotto and, and even then it would just it, something would go wrong. And it's just that it's it's the most extreme example of bad perspective. Is that no matter what, I'm gonna see the wrong in this. And for this reason, your experience of the world is probably not gonna be that that great, is it? And I'm sure all of us can probably identify somebody in our life who's a little bit like that. Like it's funny actually. I, I, this is this is a little bit horrible, funny. But I remember once I was doing this. Um, <laughs> it was one of those moments where you you can't laugh because it, you just can't laugh. But you really you want to laugh for the wrong reason, if you know what I mean. And I remember I was teaching. Uh, someone had asked me to do a, a talk for young kids at a school, and they asked me, "Can you do a talk?" And then, "Can you put on a workout for these kids?" And it, and it was cool, and you know, and I, I, like it was fun. And uh, I put this workout together, and there was this one girl who was a Debbie Downer. You know, the girl was just a Debbie Downer, and she didn't want to do it because something would go wrong and, and everything. And um, so I finally convinced her. I worked hard to get this young girl to play this game. She must have been like eight or nine or maybe ten. Um, and we play the game. The, some kind of kickball game kick the ball who gets hit in the face with the bloody ball well this poor girl gets kicked in the face and say I told you and I was like oh and I was I didn't want to laugh no I didn't want to laugh at the poor girl but it was just one of those moments where I was like oh for, if, if the one person this could happen to so the thing is and, and then there's the other side isn't there then we meet the people who's not like Bob but but do have a really great perspective and, and I'm sure you also can think of those people I'm sure you know those people in your life who no matter what the situation, they see the right way through it. And not in the Bob way, not in the way that's like they're faking it. In a way that's just really genuine to them. Like I can think of people in my life like that right now that they just have an amazing perspective in all situations, which allows them to get the most out of those situations and allows them to explore and go deeper into those situations. And, and then there's a broad spectrum, isn't there? And, and often when we think about it, it's often in different areas of life. So you might have a great perspective over in this area, and then you might have a terrible perspective over in this area over here. And 
again, if I go back to my point that I said before, that the way we interpret the world, the perspectives we bring into the world, will massively influence the experience of our world. Now, where I feel Bob went wrong, was Bob understood that he wants to present himself as somebody who has a good perspective to the world, but he didn't necessarily work on his own perspectives. He worked on the presentation, but not worked on trying to evolve and develop the internal experience of his life. Um, maybe Bob 2.0 did. I'm not quite sure. I can't actually remember, to be honest. Um, but that's that's you know that's where Bob went wrong. And the thing is, the thing I want to explore from kind of here forward in today's conversation is... Can we shift perspectives? Like if you are a Debbie Downer, I know Debbie Down is kind of the extreme version of it, but if you are somebody who has an area of your life where your perspective does work against you, do you have the ability to shift that? And that's to me, if I go back to the Bob 1.0, that's the work that Bob needed to be doing, is he needed to be identifying, can I shift my perspective? Now, we can. We can shift perspective, and, and often you'll see people in life, you'll see someone who um, goes through something dramatic, and it makes them see the world in a different way, and I remember recently I had a friend who had broken up with a partner, and, and you know, that's a hard thing to go through in life, and she, this friend of mine was in a really kind of Debbie Downer place um, before the breakup, because she was in a horrible relationship, and then broke up, and then saw the world in a different way. And now it's kind of embracing life and a really good place. So it's a really good, you know, she could shift from one to the other. So can we do this consciously? And and I think we can. I, I truly think we can if we're willing to work on it. And the first thing I probably want you to explore as you're kind of listening to this today is, do I have areas of my life where my perspective is limiting my experience of my life? Do I have areas in my life where my perspective is limiting my experience of my life? Now, as you're listening to this right now, can you kind of identify them? Like, I've got some. Like, my piano, I have this, you know, this thing around creativity, you know, that, oh, you know, I've talked about this a lot on the show and I still, you know, struggle with it at times. You know, so what's that for you? Where's that area for you? Now, if you don't, you maybe you are that person who I think of in my life who's just got a great perspective in all situations, and, that, and that's great. Good work. Keep it up. Um, but if you have got an area, the question is, can we help you move forward in that perspective? And, and first of all, what's the cost of that perspective? So if I just think about myself of creative playing of piano, is I just don't write songs enough. You know, so I don't actually do, you know, because creative expression is one of the things I want to get from music in my life and performance. And to be honest, I'm probably not as much as down either creative expression or performance with my piano as I could be based on the amount of time I've put into it because my perspective has kind of held me back a little bit. So what's been the cost in your life in having those perspectives or that perspective in that area? So then once we can kind of identify the different areas and the perspectives that are holding us back and maybe the cost of those perspectives, I want to introduce an idea of how to move forward in this way. And it does take work. And I think the first thing is an all change. So to me, all change starts with awareness and then it starts with a commitment to change. I really think it is, you know, like no one's going to change unless they've got awareness that they, they, they need to change and they need and they want to change and so you know you have to do some work but let's say you have you've been listening to this and you say you know what my perspective towards fitness is that I'm always going to fail with fitness that's my perspective I take towards exercise so if we go back to the way I interpret the world will be the or the what my perspective I bring to the world will massively influence my experience of it so if I think I'm going to fail with exercise when you go to an exercise class what's going to be your experience of it it's probably going to work against you so the kind of next start of next kind of step in my process that I've kind of thought of today, Bevan's perspective process, is to do some brainstorming. And what I mean by this is for you to literally grab a pen and paper, or just go out and do some thinking, go for a walk, put some music on, do some thinking, and literally go, what are all the different ways or all the different perspectives that I could use in this situation now in this step here it's really important you just don't think of the positive 
you know, like I, I really want you to explore all of them. Like, you know, reach out, go all around that, that, that kind of area. Explore every angle, every every kind of corner, nook and cranny. You know, you, you're, you're really trying to explore some of the really negative ones. What, what's the worst place I could go around with exercise? What's the place I'm in right now? What's a slightly better? What's the most amazing place? What's the place that one of my friends goes to who's really nailing this place with exercise? You know, that's, that's the kind of thing I want you to do in the brainstorming section. So you're not necessarily having any judgment. You're just seeing what's out there to use. You're just seeing what's out there to use. Then from there what you do is, I love this question of which perspective will serve me best. So first of all, you identify an area. Second of all, you see the cost of doing this. Third of all, you explore all the perspectives you could have in this area. Good, bad, medium, extreme. Then what you do is you just ask yourself, which perspective would serve me best. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually add to that. I'm gonna write this on my little list here that I'm kind of. I, I always take notes before I do this. Um, which um, perspective will serve me best for the outcome I desire in my life? Which perspective will serve me best for the outcome I desire in my life? It's an interesting thing to think about, isn't it? It's because you've done this brainstorming. You spend a lot of time looking at all different perspectives. And and I think if you're going to spend some time doing this work, like just choose an area. Don't try to knock out everything at once. You might choose, and you may even just choose an easy area. You know, go back to my thing of go for easy wins at the start. So choose an area where your perspective is not that great, but it's also not the big thing in your life right now. We want to build some confidence in this ability. Um, and then look at the costs, explore all different perspectives, and then ask yourself, what perspective is going to serve me best for the outcome I desire? So if we go back to the exercise analogy, which is um, I suck at exercise. Okay, which perspective? What do, what do I want in exercise? Okay, I, just, I, I don't care to be an Ironman. I don't want stupid marathons. But I'd like to have some fitness in my life. You know, I'd like to be able to, you know, walk up the stairs at work and not be puffed. I'd like to be able to join my friends if they want to go for a long walk. I'd like to be able to, you know feel a bit more active I'd like to be able to go for a swim at the beach in summer you know that's the that's where I want to get to with this and what perspective will best serve me for that outcome so I'd probably say with that question there think about the outcome you want you know think about the and, and be realistic there as well um it's an important thing think about the outcome you want and then what perspective so you so you after you've done that brainstorming you might kind of find a perspective that says I am open to exercise and I will always go into it with a learner's mind and a, a caring attitude towards my ability. Now you can see, now I can't even remember what I said there, I might have to pause and go back, but just think of that again. I'm open to exercise and I'll always go into it with a learner's attitude and a caring ability. Now I'm going to pause and go back because I've, I've got to hear what I said. It was a curious attitude towards my ability. So I'm open to exercise. I always go in for learning ability and a caring attitude towards my ability. Now, what is that? What, what's the difference between the perspective of I suck at exercise and that perspective there? What actions do either of those lead you towards? Now, I'm sure as you're listening right now, it's really clear that one of those helps you move towards exercise and one of those pushes you away from exercise. So that's why once you've done the brainstorming to really spend some time to think about which perspective will serve me best in the outcome I desire. I desire to have a level of exercise in my life that I'm happy with. And the perspective that's going to serve me is I'm open to exercise. I'm going to have a learner's attitude and a caring approach to my ability. Imagine what that perspective allows you to do. It works, doesn't it? Now the thing about this is... This all makes sense, doesn't it? As I'm speaking to you right now, this makes sense. If I had this attitude, if I had this perspective, there's a much higher chance that I'm going to go out and do exercise and I'll, and I'll open and I'm going to learn and I have a curious attitude. So if I don't nail it, it's okay, which allows me to go back and so on and so on. Makes sense. But the thing is, is perspectives can often be so ingrained in us. So it's one thing to say, yeah, Bev, well, I, you, you know, that makes sense. I can do that. But your ability to be able to continually sit in that perspective and it's interesting, the, the thing we are looking for is long-term change, isn't it? And so the thing that we want 
to think about is once we've found the perspective that will serve us to the outcome we desire, it's almost like we have to live in a period, particularly if you are someone who's, you know, worked against us in such a kind of a history and a story of it. But you almost want to have what I call, I've, I've started terming a conscious compass, kind of faking it till you make it. And what I mean by conscious compass is that Let's say you are the person who has that perspective that I suck at exercise, which the outcome means I never exercise, and you then decide you're going to use the, you know, you're going to use the one that serves the outcome you desire, which is I have a learning attitude towards exercise. Um, I'm going to be open to exercise with learning attitude and caring um, perspective towards my ability. So that's where you're going to go to. Now, I've got to be honest. If you've sat and I suck at exercise for 20 years, that's going to keep popping up in your head. That's going to keep popping up in your head. So when I talk about faking it till you're making it, or this term that my conscious compass, what I'm meaning there is that it's your job to catch when the old pain in the butt, you suck at exercise, pops up, and to consciously put the compass back on the perspective of open to exercise, learn, care. Now, that takes effort. And your job in doing this is to continually go back to it. Now, I believe that over time, because you'll have experiences that will change the way you see yourself around exercise, and I believe in time, if you can keep just tweaking that compass back. You know, when you think, what is a compass? Like, like, like if you're going to go on a, on a, a hike and you're using a compass, what is a compass? A compass is there to help you, guide you towards where you're trying to go. And if, if the coordinates on the compass, if you go off the coordinates... You're going in danger, aren't you? You're going into the unknown. Whereas if you've got a map and you've got a compass and you go to this coordinate here and this coordinate there, it's getting you to where you want to go. And what are we doing? With, and it, what are we doing for compass? We we always checking the coordinates, aren't we? And that's what you want to do with this tool here, because over time, if you practice this conscious compass you'll have more experiences that move you towards it. So like before when I said, well, if you had that perspective of um, open, learning, caring, do you think you'd, there's a higher chance you exercise? It was so obvious, wasn't it? And so when we think about this, is that your job is to be continually looking at that map in your head, the map that's trying to pull you off saying, no, you suck at exercise. And they go, no, no, the compass says go over here and keep practice, practice, practice. And I can almost guarantee that if you do this, You'll wake up one day, and in that area of your life, your perspective will be pretty amazing. And it will probably evolve from that first perspective you have to one where you go, I'm a really good exerciser. And that's really powerful stuff. And as I think back to Bob at the start, you know, Bob Bob 1 and Bob 2, the Bob 1 knew that you needed to present a, a perspective to the world, but I never felt he did the work. I never really felt... Well, I, well I, to be honest, I just never knew who he was. Whereas Bob too would have been open to this kind of work. Now, I didn't see the evolution of Bob because when he came back the second time, he didn't stay around for that long. So I don't really know where Bob is now. Um, but I fundamentally believe that if we can understand that our perspectives massively influence our interpretation of the world and we can use a process like the one I've just introduced right now and let's just recap that that you identify the areas where your perspectives work against you and you see the costs of that then what you do is you just brainstorm and I mean brainstorm you try every angle around the all the perspectives you can have in that area then you choose one that's going to serve you best based on the outcome you desire. So you probably need to think of the outcome first and then you choose one you want to serve the best. And then to kind of remind yourself, the practice is to consciously put that compass back on the perspective that's going to help you move forward. Now, as I talk about this, do you believe that if you really, really smack this one out of the park, that in the areas where you're holding yourself back, you'd have a much more higher chance of success in that area? Of course the answer is yes. And I'm going to wrap this up because that's what I always do. And if you did that, would you be a better version of yourself? (laughs) 
All right, I think that's pretty much the, the gist of today's show. The main bit is done and dusted. Um, like I always say, this stuff only works if you do the work. And if I touch the chord for you there today, and really there's something in there for you, well, do the work. Do the work. Don't be the person who reads the book and doesn't apply. You know, doesn't apply the, the thinking, you know, be someone who does the thing. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. If you want to email me, you can email me at bevanjames at gmail.com. If you also, if you want to, um, if you want to spread the word about the show, I really appreciate just uh, any kind of sharing you can do. Uh, nowadays, podcasts, you know, I've been doing this podcast, I think I started in 2010, this podcast, or maybe even 2009. My first podcast, I started in 2010 six which is crazy when you think about it um but this one i've been doing for about eight years now and podcasts are definitely well known in the social conscious nowadays whereas when i started you literally would have to teach people how to get a podcast it was a lot lot different back in 2006 when i was young uh and so you know when people talk about podcasts just say well you know if you want to if you like this show just say oh there's a really cool fitness one called the bevan james i show you can check it out so just spread the word it just helps to get more people doing listen to what we're doing here um other than that it's pretty much it i've got a, a night out with my friend tonight it's saturday afternoon here i'm going to germany this week i'm really for i'm going to germany there's a i went there last year i um, did a race or i didn't i worked at a race called challenge road which is a very very special race i'm heading back there and then i come back and it's funny actually because we've bought a new house um and, and it's, we're, we're, we love our new home. We're really excited about moving into a new home. We're also sad to leave from the home we're in because we've loved the home that we're in right now. And it's quite funny because it turned out, it, we had an auction, and it turned out that the people who bought my house were people who have come to my gym classes for over 10 years, like probably even longer, you know, like... Yeah, there are a couple, and one of the couples probably been at the gym for 15 years, and one of them's been probably at least 10 years. And and I mean, I see these people three, four times a week, you know, and I know them really well when we chat. And, and when when the house went on the market, they said to me, "Oh, is it your house?" And I was like, yeah, and they, and they turned up to the um, auction, and they get the house. And I and it was quite lovely actually because I love my current home, and I said to them that we kind of wrote an email. I, I said in the uh, contract. We said they have to do 50 burpees, which is kind of my joke. And uh, we emailed each other for a bit of a laugh afterwards. And I said to them, every day I've lived in this house, I've had a moment where I felt lucky that I've lived in this house and now that's yours. And so it's quite cool. And um, and that's what Joe and I are kind of moving into with our next house where it's kind of like that as well. And you might hear Joe kind of pulling that tape in the background right now. But um, uh, what was I saying? But now the thing is, once you've sold your house and you're, you, we've got a month to wait till we get to our next house, so it's like the clock is slowly ticking, so going to Germany for a week this week is actually quite a cool thing, because then I get to kind of kill a week of that time, and then we come back, and it's only about 13, 14 days till we move, so anyway, that's, that's pretty much me for today, I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks' time, I'll try to get an interview sorted for next week, I haven't actually got one yet, so I'll see what I can do about getting an interview, also thanks for all the feedback on my interview with Sula, i got some great feedback on that, been getting lots of good feedback. I've been getting more with local people lately with my interviews, and I've been getting some really good feedback around that. So it's pretty cool stuff. So um, spread the word. I'll see you in a couple weeks' time. That's me out for now. See you, bye.